0: Hello and welcome to Sharp HR Career Corner with Karen Sharp-Price. This podcast will inform and inspire you in your quest to find the right career path. If you're just starting out, looking to make a change in your field, or transitioning into a new career, then this podcast is for you. We will be sharing tips and providing resources on topics such as writing resumes, interviewing, using LinkedIn, and networking. We will take a look at different careers, companies, and opportunities. You will hear success stories from professionals in all career paths and so much more. You will leave this podcast with three key takeaways that you can easily put into practice. Enjoy. Welcome to Sharp HR Career Corner. I'm Karen Sharp-Price. Today we're gonna talk to Christine Smith who lives in Albany, New York. Hi Christine, thanks for joining us on Sharp HR Career Corner. Thanks, Karen. Thanks for having me. You do live in the Albany area, right? Uh, I'm in Clifton Park, yes. Okay, so I just wanted to make sure I had the right location. Not too far. (laughs) So so let's, I I really enjoy listening to people's career story because it's never a straight line. It zigzags, and I think the zigzag is the story, is what's interesting about everybody's story. So, Back when you uh, graduated, you graduated with a marketing concentration. When you got out of college, your first career job was advertising marketing, and you did that for Mm -hmm. a couple years. What was it about that job that really interested you the most at that point?
1: My my school journey itself is very interesting because I was actually a Trying to figure out what I wanted to do when I was 17, 18 years old based on the skills that I had and what I was actually really good at. So, I was actually really good at science. I was actually really good at math. So, no one offered engineering to me, which I would have actually done really well at, but uh, that's besides the point. Um, So, I was interested in forensics, um, I actually interviewed an FBI agent, I took a tour to the forensics lab in Albany, and after, you know, kind of feeling out if this would be a job for me, I was like, ah, I don't really want to stare at a rug and pick fibers off all day long, like that sounds really boring <laughs> and not interesting, and I explored the option of being a detective, and I was concerned that being a cop would change me emotionally as a person. Mm. You just come across something, and especially as a detective, there might be things that you find that not the typical person is gonna see. And I'm like, I don't know how I would deal with that. So I was like, okay, what else am I good at? I'm I'm very creative. I'm really good at art at the time, drawing, painting, all those things. I'm like, okay, what kind of options are there for that? (laughs) Um, Interior design came up. Uh Ironically at that time, I wanted nothing to do with computers. So this is back in like uh, 2006. Uh, when I was trying to figure out which college I wanted to go to. I wanted nothing to do with computers. I did not like technology, which I find hilarious. <laughs> and the colleges that I applied to, I got into all of them, but some of them didn't accept my art portfolio, which didn't help. And then some were very expensive. Like I was already thinking at 18 years old, I'm like, I didn't want a lot of student debt. And this was a while ago, right? This wasn't, student debt is crazy now. Yeah. Um, but it was crazy then too. And I'm like, okay, I don't want to graduate with a lot of student debt. Um, I got into community college pretty much free and clear, so I was like, well, I'll just start there. They didn't really have the program that I needed, and I had taken a year of college already in high school, so I was already ahead, so I got to take a lot of electives, and because they didn't have an interior design program, I had to go with something that was somewhat close, and it was graphics. I ended up really liking graphics. It allowed for this creative side of me to come out. I also got to take marketing and sales courses, which still allow for the creative side and the socialization side, which is something that I really need. And at 18, I still understood that I really need to be around people on a regular basis. So when I got offered my first big girl job, um, working for a very small direct mail publication, I, you know, I took it because I'm like, wow, this is right within my degree. I'm gonna be able to design ads for clients. I'm gonna be able to sell to clients. I'm gonna be able to go meet with them face-to-face and then go back and design things and then
0: say, hey, is this approved or not? And then it goes into our publication. Wow. So I have to say, step back a few. At 17, you were very enlightened <laughs> to, because yeah. I, I mean, I have those conversations with college students now, sophomore through senior year, And a lot of them have no idea what they want to do, or they have a few ideas, which, you know, I can work with any of those. But for somebody, I I don't come across somebody at that age who not, not knows what they want to do, but knows what their skill sets are. and Mm -hmm. and looks at those skill sets and then tries to match them with jobs out there. Like you were ahead of your time in that process. It's it's crazy. I don't
1: know where that came from. And I I wish I had had more guidance because there's a lot of jobs. I didn't even have the option to explore because no one mentioned it to me. Like Mm. my um, like the conversation that I had with the school was like, well, you can be a teacher. And I'm like, I don't want to be a teacher. (laughs) Like, I don't want to do that. I mean, I did sub, I did do it, you know, here and there as like a side thing, but, um, that wasn't what I wanted to do, you know, as a career. And I was also trying to think, Okay, what isn't going to go away? You know, what is going to lead to decent money? What am I going to be happy with? Why I was thinking about all this stuff at eighteen, I don't know. Really, yeah, you I don't know if it was like I was in a really bad car accident at seventeen, so I don't know if that kind of changed my life perspective a little bit. Yeah. Um, but it definitely. I mean, I use my, I still use my degree every single day. And
0: I don't think there's many people that can say that. No, no, not at all. So, okay, so you did the the marketing and advertising. You you pivoted into the automobile industry. What what were you doing for there? What was your career journey on that one? So I left working
1: for an SEO company, and because the, there was no you know no further growth, so like you, I'm constantly like bored. Yeah, <laughs> I need to be doing different things all the time. And so I started working for a trigger dealership, and I was hired just in sales. I was just on the floor. And I remember it was so brutal because, you know, we're all fighting for clients and I hated just kind of standing around waiting for someone to show up. It was so, it just sucked. (laughs) Um, And a couple months in the general sales manager at the time gave me and one other person, the internet department, which at the time, maybe we sold 10 cars a month if we were lucky off of,
0: off of internet
1: clients. So this is back in 2012 when internet, purchasing of major things wasn't really that big yet and um, and yeah it was you know Carvana wasn't really a big thing if it even existed yet it wasn't really like that prominent CarMax all that stuff yeah um so I started really taking it you know this is still super new to me but I'm very organized I'm you know very creative and I'm always trying to figure out well, how do I read redo something that's kind of stale and so the other person that was working with me within a couple months he didn't want to do it anymore because he did he's like I don't like being tied to my desk and I'm like I just feel like I had so much more freedom because I wasn't having to talk to someone who wasn't even interested leads that were coming in the percentage of more people that were interested there were still people that weren't right but it was just different it was just easier to, to to navigate so I actually rebuilt the internet department at the dealership I worked at um, in a period of three and a half months from when wow. I started working in that position, we had a, we went from selling 10 cars a month to 25. And then I actually brought somebody else on because internet never sleeps and I never <laughs> did. Uh, Cause I was very obsessed with any leave that came in. I would answer at 10 o'clock at night because there's other Toyota dealerships within the area. So I'm like, if I respond the fastest, I'm more likely to get the sale. And if I'm responding as, oh, do you wanna come, you know, test drive? I didn't care if people wanna come and test drive. You're you're a loyal Toyota customer. You wanna buy another Camry? Okay, well, let me give you prices. What have you gotten from other dealerships? How can I beat them? I built up a sales list of like all of our cars, how to price them competitively. I, I sent ghost leads to other dealerships to see what they were pricing their cars at to make sure I was competitive and in line. Wow. Um, I, set up, I set up all the content, drip campaigns, all of our CRM, like how everything was layered out. So there would be stuff that would go out on a regular basis if someone didn't purchase. I redid all of those things. And then I would do campaigns as I would go. If I had heard from people in a while, I would send them out. You know, goofy poems about the Toyota specials or whatever. Oh my god! Um, and it was it was really great. Like, I was the top salesperson after that. January oh of 2013, I was the top salesperson for how 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 long I stayed in in that position. And then they hired. It was so weird how everything happened after that. But they decided to go the BDC route, which is pretty normal for dealerships, but. That dealership wasn't really getting enough volume of leads for that really to be appropriate. Uh They didn't offer me that position, even though I had been running and built the internet department, but okay. Um, And I was training some of the other dealerships on how to manage their CRM properly. Um, So I told the GM at the time, which we had gotten new ones all the time, that I want the F&I position or I'm leaving. And that's how I got the F&I position. (laughs)
0: Sometimes you just have to ask.
1: <laughs> yep. So I trained for that. And that was it was very interesting because I was working, you know, I've been in predominantly male industries most of my career. And going into a management position where some men don't respect women in management was very hard because I had very little support when I was back there. Wow.
0: And you were young too. So younger, female. In that kind of industry, yeah, you got to be you got to be on top of your game at all times. Yep. So so during this, I think during this whole time, marketing, sales, automobile industry, you were also you you, you were I guess still creative and, and interested in other things. So. You were really at the same time doing executive consulting for Rodan and Fields was it about the same time that you couldn't so, just do the one job you were also no, doing the side I've never, thing I never you know I've never been that way and even like you know there's you know people see my like my resume or what's
1: on you know LinkedIn or whatever I'm yeah. like that's not even close to what I actually like. Oh like I you know I've bartended I did stand up for a while like I I was in the restaurant business for really for a good chunk of my early career and through college and then just like side things here and there that, you know, I, I got paid to do and wrote it in fields. So they're a multi-level marketing company. They've been around for for a number of years. It's a skincare line and it was something I was interested in. It was like a friend of a friend had like introduced me and I was like, oh, you know, I could do this and it could be like my side gig, but it wasn't something I was ever passionate about. Okay. So I never really did that much with it. I was with them for a while. but. Um, I got discounts on skincare products and I still use them, but (laughs) it wasn't like, it wasn't a full passion of mine to really turn it into like a true business, which is, you know, people make fun of MLMs or they call them pyramid schemes or whatever. Some of them are, but some of them are actually legitimate and just like any other business, you have to actually do things. You have to talk to people. You have to, you know, just because you don't have a physical storefront doesn't mean you're not out there. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, there's a huge gap of misconception of actually how to operate a business because that training doesn't really happen.
0: Right.
1: And I'm not saying that, you know, they were doing that necessarily, but, um, I, it just wasn't a passion. So I didn't pursue it as a true CEO like I should have
0: so how many things have you done at one time do you think looking back of all the things that you were doing I would say typically I juggle three to four things at a time wow okay so we're and, we're and, sure the same
1: <laughs> yeah yeah well it's one of those things like I I definitely have problems saying no <laughs> that's part of the problem. Um, but I have over the years, I have really gained all of these different skills and a lot of them are. So if you look at like a Venn diagram with like the circles and there's like the overlap, a lot of them have that. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, sure. I can help you with that. And, you know, until I stop getting questions about it, why would I stop doing it? And especially if it's not taking me a ton of time or it's a couple hours, a week it, to me, I'm like, oh, that's worth it. Right. And especially if I'm charging for something, I'm like, oh, that's 100% worth it. Right. right. Um, and everything has always led me to being in the marketing field. Like I have never not stepped out of that completely.
0: Well, marketing does touch every pretty much everything that you do. Right. Whether you're, you know, working at Target, you're still marketing yourself. You're still trying to be the best employee. So, if you own your own business, marketing is is fundamental right now. So, right. yeah, marketing is is huge. So, out of college about 6 years, you pivoted into finance. What what made you think about becoming a financial advisor? So, I was trying to leave the car business for a
1: while, <laughs> it started. and you know, the option of obviously going to another dealership came up, you know, I had some dealerships that would have taken me at a heartbeat, even still, like they will take me in a heartbeat if I really wanted to go back. Um, but I just, I was like, I don't think it's going to be different. I don't think it's going to be any different working for another owner, dealership, whatever. So I was like, I'm trying to get out. I, it, it was a very toxic work environment. I was working crazy hours. Like I barely had time off at that point. Um, so I, I could say 80 hours was normal. I, seven days a week, even though we weren't open on Sundays, I had to go in on Sunday because of the fact I had no help. And I was doing two and a half people's jobs. So I'm like, I can't do this anymore. And I wanted to start a family. I was married at the time and I'm like, there's no way I can be a mom. There's no way I would never see my kid and I'm going to pay for daycare. Like that seems dumb. (laughs) So I didn't want to do that. So I'm like, okay, what else is out there? You know, I wanted to do something that was fulfilling. I always like to help people. So what does that look like? I actually had people in financial services recruiting me heavily for years, for years. Usually people in the car business do well in financial services. So I was being recruited and we really pushed it off for a while and then eventually I, you know, had a conversation and I was like, okay, well maybe this is something that I can do. And I had to start over. It was hundred percent starting over. Like I was making six figures and I worked in the car business and start over from zero, which was a risk. And at the time, you know, my ex-husband was like, hey, you're just, you know, you're not happy. You're barely around, like work out hours, like can't hurt, right? To try it. So I took the risk, I I put in my two weeks at the dealership, and then I started in financial services, which was a whole nother, (laughs) a whole nother, you know, learning curve, and you know, having to get licenses, and it comes with its own, um, you know, predominantly male industry quirks, and toxicity as well. Just working in that type
0: of environment. So you did it. Uh, how, how many years? Well, you're still you're still licensed. Yeah. So, so
1: I'm still I'm still in you know financial services to a degree. So I'm still brokered with Guardian Insurance Company. I'm not affiliated with the firm anymore. So I've been in for about almost six years.
0: Okay. And you like the interaction with with people. I get the impression that, and this is one of the commonalities that you and I have, is that being out there and building our skill sets, and By doing that, we see new opportunities, and with new opportunities, we also see things that we can improve upon out in our community. And I feel like, and we're going to talk about what you're doing right now, which I feel is one of those opportunities that you saw a really need for but if you hadn't been in the automobile industry if you hadn't gone into financial advising which I think you probably saw it even more so there yeah you wouldn't have gotten to where you are right now and seeing what that need is and trying to help once you figured it out you you cracked the the code and you figured out how to fix it now you're trying to get other people to understand it, it isn't as yeah. difficult to, to do this but in between that, so so you went, you did some financial advising. But where does the whole Medicare consultant come in then? Was that after?
1: No, that was uh, during. So
0: I yeah, that that was during.
1: So okay. there was a woman that did health insurance out of the office that I worked at, and she also does Medicare. So Medicare is specific for people sixty-five and over. That was not my client base, but I I felt that it made sense to just have a certification. I didn't have to relicense or anything. It's just certification. Just take tests um, to be licensed with Medicare carriers. And because my clients have parents and grandparents, I'm like, seems to make sense if they trust me. And I can say, Hey, listen, you know, I handle Medicare. If you have, if your parents have any questions or, you know, would they want to change carriers? I get paid the same regardless of what carrier they go to. There's a lot of people going into it every day. So, and a lot of, people aren't doing it. Like a lot of advisors aren't even, they don't. I I think they either don't know what's available or they just don't want to deal with it. And I'm like, it's so easy though. Like, it's not hard to just say, Hey, here's the difference between the United healthcare and Humana this, this, this year.
0: But that's a huge need because until you need it, until, until you get close to that age, you don't think about it. You don't worry about it. And then you get thrown into it. And there's all these regulations that you got to do things six yep. months ahead, and all, and you just yep. you, you're like, yep. what, what? And and I think you know what? One of the pieces that that bothers me the most, and I'm in a lucky position because I'm actually older than my husband, but for most women who marry younger, I mean their their husbands are older than them most of the time. Their husbands go off onto Medicare. And, you know, they're covered, but the wife, and if there's kids who aren't 65 yet, yeah, they're like, what do I do? Where do I get insurance? And how much is it mm-hmm. going to cost? And where did that come from? And I didn't know about mm-hmm. this. So like, there's just all these little pitfalls that most people just, you know, don't even know that it's out there and that there's yeah, a problem. Yeah. So having that experience and that skill set is huge because everybody is going to uh, knock on that door they're gonna need it at some point point.
1: And, <laughs> yeah. and again it's it's not a focus but i was like you know what it doesn't take a lot of time well i mean i say it doesn't take a lot of time but when i have to reach recert- well, for you it's, it's, it's <laughs> every year i'm like oh. but it, other than that i'm like hey i have it in my back pocket you know i'll recertify every year at the end of the day it doesn't take me a lot of time it isn't a focus i don't really talk about it promote it but if somebody's like hey yeah exactly i have this need and you know when i moved to financial services originally mm-hmm. and i left the dealership i was like i want to make sure that i'm not in a toxic place which that didn't work out but uh the other side was i wanted to be a resource i wanted to build myself as a rep as a reputable person not in one specific thing or another Mm -hmm. I wanted to be that resource in the community so that people know that if they contacted me, not only did I have knowledge in areas that probably some people didn't necessarily have, but I had access to things that I know other people do not have.
0: Yeah. And, and you become so much more valuable in doing that. And then, you know, we'll talk about this in a minute, but for networking purposes, you can talk on so many different topics <laughs> that you, know, you probably yeah. haven't met somebody that you couldn't talk to about something because yep. of, cause of your life. So, um, okay, so we're gonna take a small break. We're gonna play a little game. It's get to the point. I'm gonna ask you random questions and whatever pops in your head, you just throw it out there. Are you ready? Okay. (laughs) All right, so virtual or in-person networking events? In-person. Okay, social media of choice? LinkedIn. One cool fact about you? Part of my face doesn't move. That's very interesting, okay. (laughs) What movie streaming platform do you like the most? Probably Netflix. Okay. Who has made the most positive impact on you in networking? Has there been somebody out there that just you really like remember that's but, really wowed you? Yeah, like one like one particular person. And I you don't have I've to give me their name, but do you remember the situation or anything? Um, I would say it's like blips of
1: things that have happened. So you know, changing of perspective where. Other people feel the same things that you do when you go to an event and it's terrible and you feel awkward and you're like, I don't know how to do this. Um, Somebody that I I actually, we did workshops together all the time. And he said, well, here's what I would do. He's like, I would go up to another person who looked like they were feeling the same thing. And I'm like, ah, this seems terrible, right? And then just started jumping into a conversation. I'm like, oh, that's so great. I'm gonna (laughs) totally use that.
0: That's very, actually, that's very helpful because I got a lot of students who will have their first networking event with me so that I try to make them, you know, more comfortable at at doing it. And I will, and usually, you know, without COVID, it was in person and I would walk around the outer rim of the, of the room and I would catch students just kind of looking and looking like they just wanted to jump in, but just didn't know how to. And so Mm -hmm. I would just take them and then just say, oh, I'm going to introduce you too. And then once I do just walk away but yes you can tell when someone feels that uncomfortableness and, and it's easy to see when when it's in person at least books or music music favorite place that you've traveled um probably Alaska okay. choice of beverage like does it alcohol It doesn't alcohol. have to be any either or yeah it can be if you want to <laughs> um i mean i guess my go-to beverage is typically
1: water i'm pretty boring in that sense but even like if i'm drinking i don't really it's not crazy anymore i like a white claw is fine you know (laughs) white girl stuff is fine (laughs) okay phone call or email um i don't mind i i don't care about either like is, it depends on what I'm trying to do like if I need to get to you really fast I know an email is probably going to be faster but if I want to have
0: a more descriptive conversation phone call is always better okay favorite food? tacos well you didn't have to stop to think about that one <laughs> um, no. and, okay and which is more difficult networking or raising a three-year-old? Um, probably raising a three-year-old okay all right thank you that, that, that's all I needed Okay, so now we're going to get back to the regular questions. And and really, I want to focus on what you have been doing, what you co-founded. We were talking earlier about networking. And it's something that people a lot in their jobs have to do. It's Mm -hmm. not something that most people enjoy doing. But you, you saw that. You saw that need. You saw the need to use networking to help your business they say you have to make so many contacts you know you have to call somebody seven times before they'll even maybe answer the Mm -hmm. phone but that's not genuine it's not intentional Mm -hmm. and and most of all it's not sincere and when we get an email or we get a connection from LinkedIn you can really read into those connections and you can tell which ones really are genuine and others that are sales pitches so, can you give us a little bit of, of an idea of ripple effects? And is that do I say that correctly? Because yeah, okay. yep, ripple effects. So it's spelled it spelled weird, but it sounds like a ripple, ripple effect. effect. <laughs> That's uh, what I thought. Modern, a pond, yeah. So so tell us the story. Like, how did it originate, and what is it? So Ripple Effects started ironically right before pandemic.
1: Uh, we were an only in-person uh, networking group, and obviously that changed, you know, <laughs> when pandemic happened. Yeah. Um, I've been running strategic networking groups since I got into financial services, and I started doing that for for somebody else. It was, you know, just something to try and get me business, essentially, right. And then it turned into a lot more than that. You know, I've tried leads groups. I've, I've been a part of Chambers. I've been in BNI. I've been in associations. And one of the things I kept finding over and over again is, aside from the word vomit all the time, is being in the financial space, no one wanted to have a conversation with me. No one No one would take the time to get to know me. It was a no just because of what was on my name tag Mm. and i'm like well this sucks because i am way more than just the fact that i work for a financial firm company whatever and i'm like so why is this happening well previous behavior right most advisors, unfortunately, sorry to all of them out there, but they're not great at networking, <laughs> you know, and, and it's not just them, it's everybody. As soon as people put their their professional hats on, they lose their minds. Everyone actually is a phenomenal networker when it comes to friends, when it comes to, you know, personal relationships, um, you know, marriage, spouse, like we all can do it, obviously, but as soon as we need to sell or, you know, brand ourselves, we lose our minds. We don't know how to do it in a way that's not a sleazy car salesperson, and no one's really having those conversations. I've found, um, it's everything networking is very old school it's well this is how we did it 30 years ago so let me just hand you my card and shake your hand and we're good to go and i'm like but that's not enough (laughs) like i'm not just gonna give you like i hate when somebody sends me a message and they're like hey do you have any referrals for me and i'm like you just sent me a dm for the first time i've never met you before why would i send you any type of referral like no offense like unless you're doing something that no one else is doing why would I have a reason to go out of my way to find somebody for you? Right. And there's this other you know, thing, like people only want referrals. I'm like, why do you want us a referral? Let me ask you this. Why do you want a referral? A referral is one person, one. Uh, it could be a company. It could be a whale, right? We're all trying to get the whale, but let's, let's be real here. Why aren't you going after the introductions? Why aren't you going after the people who are going to be a constant funnel for you? Like, why wouldn't you do that? And, you know, when you ask that to people, they're like, I didn't even know that was a thing. I didn't know I should do that. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's, that's actually being an intentional networker. you're building you're building your community. You're also leading with advocacy. You're, you're having conversations with people, not just because they could be a potential client, but because there might be an opportunity to either collaborate with future clients, they're going to provide value for your clients, which is always going to raise you up in the bar of who they're going to work with. Mm-hmm. And it just leads to way more opportunity. So, know working for this other company and leading these other groups i started to realize like i think we really can do more here and my my partner jurgen and i we kind of you know we got together before um it was in 2019 and we started kind of planning out you know could we do this is this something that would make sense how long is it going to take you know obviously we don't have any idea of how long it takes to you know to build it to however many thousands of members we could get to right And it took a while to kind of put things together and it's constantly changing all the time because of, you know, what people need or what they want. But I wanted to make sure that our brand also was very clear on what it is that networking should be. And the name Ripple Effects is derived from the thought that I believe should happen when you're actually networking. So you're in a pond and there's a drop of water, which is you, and that that drop keeps ripples, right? Mm-hmm. But it only goes so out so far because if you don't continue the drop, it stops. Now, if you add somebody else, now the opportunity for those ripples to collide happens. And when collision happens, that's where open doors happen. That's where relationships get built. That's how trust happens. That's actually how business does happen. But it's not just them. Like you need them to open doors so you can have access to people that you would not have otherwise had access to. And the more people you have dripping into your pond now, if you are very clear on your messaging, who you work with, what you solve for, who your clients are. Now think about this if you're looking at like a trajectory of those open doors. If they're all lined up and you get to the other side of the pond and other people are talking about you on the other side of the pond exactly what it is that you do, What could that look like for your business? That is the ripple effect of intentional networking. And that is what we're trying to change don't want to take people away from what they're already doing, but you should add this to what you are currently doing. You need to be in groups that are talking about things other than just leads. It's not just about leads. We all need business, but you also need to make sure business is not just coming today. It's coming six months from now. It's coming two years from now. People aren't thinking about that. They're like, I just need to get all this stuff done right now. And then they stop networking, which I find I'm like, they're like, Oh, I'm really busy. I'm really overwhelmed. I'm like, Okay, that's a time management issue. (laughs) Like, you should be networking. It is something, it is just like being on a diet, it is just like exercising. You cannot do it once or for a temporary amount of time and then stop doing it and expect to still have the same results. It just doesn't work that way. It is a maintenance. Vehicle that is constantly required. I don't care what business you're in. I don't care if you're a stay at home mom. You need to network because you have no idea the leverage of having a support network behind you and resources behind you that you would not otherwise have access to because. You're not exposed to them. Other people have life experience that you don't have, skills that you don't have, connections that you don't have. And we all know that there's that sixth degree of separation. So if we start having better conversations about what it is that we do, we are clearer when we do our little pitch, which we can have a whole conversation about that. And other people are talking about you. Are you going to have to make 50 phone calls a day to people who may or may not pick up the phone? are you going to have to run around with your head cut off every single month and feeling like you have to start over because your funnel isn't full all the time? No, you're not. You will never not have people to talk to at that point. You will always have new people in front of you. If you have people constantly sending people your way, it will always happen. And literally I have, I have proved that myself being a financial advisor. When I started doing this method myself, I had a completely 180 degree difference within my practice And since probably late 2016 up until now, I averaged 20 to 25 meetings a week, and that never stopped during pandemic. I have since gone back a little bit because that's crazy pants like had <laughs> 20 to 25 meetings a week but like just to give you an idea of like the possibility if you were able to be better at just that those pieces how you're reflecting your brand how you're building your brand reputation how do other people recognize your brand how do other people understand do they actually know what you do you might say but what are they actually hearing right and has anyone ever taught you how to do that better can you go to events better yes can you go to other networking groups better? Yes. You know, you are gonna also talk differently through social media. You're gonna talk different in videos, in podcasts. Anything else that you do is going to be better because you have all of those foundational pieces in place. So we wanna be that 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 little additional puzzle piece that you need to be successful as a business professional. We don't want you to be the we, we don't want to be the only ones you go to. You need to be in other things because that's how you continue expanding those doors, but we want you to feel that you have the support. So if you're in groups that don't support you because of the type of business that you're in, because of what your personal life is like, whatever the situation is, I want to make sure those people feel very supported and a part of a bigger community. We offer events, we do one-to-one coaching, we do education, we do workshops, we're constantly changing stuff all the time to really try and fine tune how we really serve our our members. Um, And then the big thing, obviously the networking groups, so people can join those and, and be a part of that and really be a part of a community and we're not looking to grow you know, 1,000 members overnight. Like I'd rather have a really core group of people.
0: Intentionally. And,
1: yeah, and continue. And, and that's a constant, you know, how do we how do we attract the right type of people and mm-hmm. how do we make sure people are retained and they continue bringing people in, right? And we're not that old, so it's still like still <laughs> that. Um, you know, it's still constant looking at that stuff. But that's, that's what the vision is, is to really be, you know, we're not trying to replace me and I, I'm not trying to replace the leads group, but we're trying to say, listen, if you're going to still do those things, well, how about you ask different questions? How about you tell people a little bit, a little bit differently about what you, what you think you do is not perceived the same way as how you say them. We mostly speak doctor. And what I mean by that is people speak the language of what they're passionate about, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't always translate to people who are unfamiliar with that line of work. And that's a problem because, if you don't emotionally resonate with somebody, they're not going to remember you. They're not going to refer you. They're not going to introduce you. I don't care what you ask. I don't care what incentive there is. They're not going to do it. They won't remember so, your name. <laughs> no, they will yeah. And, you know, I mean, like, I, I always joke. I'm like, oh, my hair is purple. You can't really see it through the video right now. But I always joke with people. And, like, I'm like, I do I'm 5'11 without heels on. So, like, if I'm in a room with somebody, it sometimes can be helpful to, you know, have that memory because of those features. But in the world of pandemic when we've gone virtual like how are you separating yourself how are you having these better conversations and you know if you are not thinking about those opportunities of the people that you're meeting and the events that you're going to whether in person or virtual i don't care what business you have i don't care if you're selling gold whatever yeah (laughs) like it's going to be a challenge for you to be successful and to build up that referred based business like it's going to take you way longer you hear about those business owners who've been doing this for 25 years and they're like, well, I'm only referral-based. And I'm like, how long did it take you to get there though?
0: Yeah. 25 years.
1: To- <laughs> like building a business, the hardest thing is finding clients. That's that's the biggest thing that everyone has an issue with. There's all this right. other stuff we gotta do too, which is also a problem because half the time we don't know what we're doing. But take that out for a second. Okay, well, none of those none of those things you can pay for if you don't have people to pay for your service or product. Mm-hmm. So, what better way to do that? Like, you need to market, you need to advertise, because that's how you stay front of mind. But if your front of mind actions are not clear, and we all know word of mouth is the most powerful way to market and promote your business. Mm-hmm. But if what is being discussed is not accurate,
0: is not positive, right? You, like, you aren't going to be on a fast track to being out of a business. Yep. And, and you know, there are so many things that you just said. One of them in the very beginning was how you can't just stop once you start getting clients just stop your networking because, you know, it, it will then dry up. It's the same thing that I tell students that when they get out and they get their first job, you know, they have to start their LinkedIn profile, they have to start getting involved and start looking as though they're the expert in what they're doing. But when they get that first job, don't stop because they will either get tired of their job, they will want to change their career, they will want to do something in the future, and they will have to start all over again, that whole process, and that takes so much more time. So you have to keep that going and, and be very intentional. If someone is is interested, they're hearing this, and they're interested in learning more about it or wanting to experience it, can someone join one of these uh, meetings and just see for yep. themselves what it's so, like?
1: Yep. So I I really encourage people before they decide to officially join and be a paying member that they actually check out one of the groups. So we have groups running Monday through Friday. Obviously, we're based out of upstate New York. So a lot of the groups are are with local people, but we have people that are outside of New York and out outside of the East Coast even. So that could potentially be something that might be of interest. If you can do business anywhere, well, you really need to be networking with individuals on a regular basis in those different areas. They can also participate in events. So if they want to check out what an event is like, right? Currently uh, for the month of June, we have roundtables on Mondays. So they're just really an hour sessions to go over a specific topic. Sometimes we have a speaker that comes in. Just added resources. Like last week, we talked about, you know, how to really financially plan to a degree within your practice? Like, are you saving enough money? How are you like, you know, when when do you hire a CPA versus an accountant? When do you, you know, turn on payroll? Like, what are some indicators that you're spending too much? Like, just things to consider that, you know, definitely apply personally, but no one's having these discussions either, which is mind blowing to me. Like, Mm -hmm. business owners aren't working with an advisor to get them ramped up. They're like, well, I can't go to an advisor until I have all these things figured out. And I'm like, no you're supposed to go to them to help you figure these things out. Or if you should, you know, get rid of your 401k to invest in your business. Like that's not something you should be doing. However, you talk to a financial professional or coach or somebody to get that third party external, you know, person to say like, Oh, Hey, let's weigh all it out. Let's look at the pros, look at the cons. Let's talk about things you haven't considered because you're involved, Yeah, but these people can help with that. So we're going to be having pop-up events minimally once a month. So there'll be probably a pop-up. And then I'm probably going to start doing um, my wine and game speed networking again, oh. which a lot of people know me for. <laughs> um, I, had a, I had a pretty big following uh, with that before because I did it for quite a few years before, you know, pandemic happened, obviously. And yeah. so probably get back to doing that. So it'd be like a ripple effects combined but still, like a public-facing event, so people that maybe are not necessarily RippleFX members can participate and kind of check out and and see what you know what some things are like.
0: Yeah, um, that sounds like we're fun. On. Yeah, yeah, super <laughs> fun. <laughs> So is so is this considered a membership? Do do they pay a monthly fee or how is that how that works? Yep. So RippleFX is membership based. Um, unless somebody you know hires us
1: for you know for coaching or something, which that's like a this is a flat fee. Um, unless there's something else that they they have in mind, but currently that's that's just how it is. The, there's three different membership options currently. So there's an events membership. So it just gives you access to education workshops in person or virtual events. That's 10 bucks a month. And then we have the recon membership, which gives you access to events and the networking group. So you can be in up to three with your membership. It's $34.99 a month. And then the step above that is includes everything else. And then it also includes Insight Path. So the CEO, Terry Nalrop, Insight Path. Uh, we have a strategic partnership with them. So people can actually be organized with their networking. Uh So rather than use a spreadsheet. So it it, it wasn't intentional to be a CRM, but um, there's some components that they have that allows us to use it for that, for people who are interested. It also has a scheduling tool in it. Um, People can use it for sales funnels too. Um, So if they don't really have a CRM that they really like, you know, it's, it, it wasn't based off of that, yeah. but they, they have these really cool components, and it's cheaper to do it that way than it is to, you know, you have Calendly, you usually have to have a couple other things too, but it includes the Ripple Effects membership as well, and that's only $49.99 a month.
0: I was going to ask you how you keep track. If you're having 20 meetings a week, and you're meeting all these different people, Yeah, I can't imagine over the last six years how many meetings you've had and how many people... How do you keep track of what everybody is actually doing, who they are? I'm sure you put in there their extra interests, the things that they do so that you can remember yeah. what it's not just their title, it's not just, you know, what their job is, but all the extra stuff because that you pull more towards all of those things than sometimes you do with what they're actually doing today because of the resources yeah. or skill set.
1: So there's no one
0: method to my madness. There hasn't really been anything that's fit
1: what I have envisioned, right? A lot of it is based off of how the relationship is. So networking is is a two-way street, just like any relationship. So when I meet somebody and I'm trying to figure out, are they going to be on the top 20% of my networking pyramid or my community pyramid, or are they going to be at the bottom? And most of the time, I have no idea. You have a general idea of you know maybe where someone might fit, but yeah. not everybody's at the top. And even if you have 100,000 connections, you're not talking with all of them at the same time. You're not talking with all of them consistently. So, you know, the people that stay front of mind are the people that make an effort, they communicate, they're participating. Um, Whether they're in ripple effects or not, doesn't matter. They're participating in my life in the sense of, I'm not having to put hundred percent of the effort in to acknowledge, you know, hey, here's what's going on or, hey, what are you up to? Or what, you know, how can I help you, whatever. And then when I when I was doing events, you know, publicly all the time, not just with RippleFax, um, I had everyone saved in whatever platform that I used to send out invitations. So I would clean that up every now and then and send those out. So people would, would be aware. And the same thing with my email, you can build out contact list groups and they can be for specific things. So if people want to be on my, my event list or, you know, whatever, you know, I'll bring those over. And then that's, that's where sometimes I'll send an email and say, Hey guys, here's, here's a bunch of resumes I've gotten this week, or here's a bunch of events. If you're trying to figure out what to do with your life this week. Or this month, or I might make an announcement about, you know, maybe something ripple effects oriented, or not at all. Sometimes people use me to get the word out about something. It's a lot of times it's jobs, job openings, or people looking for jobs, or whatever. And I'm like, how am I not a recruiter? But that's not what I want to do. So I'm
0: like, "Ah, I'm not doing that.
1: But yeah, so that's that's kind of how it's happened. Because you know, I have found especially from working in the car dealership with how often I was sending out communication. I I would say I'm an over communicator to a degree, but the people that I know people see what I say on LinkedIn because Mm -hmm. I post daily, if not more, I know people are watching the things that I'm doing. And if people have an inkling to have a conversation, they will reach out. And that's on top of if I saw somebody pass through my line of vision sometimes they'll get tagged in a post or if somebody tags me in a post that triggers to have a conversation and i I tell people this i'm like listen this is how we stay in contact because we're crazy busy it doesn't matter you know how often we try to do things things always get in the way but if we're making an effort we're making the communication it'll always work out just like any relationship you have friends that you might only talk to once a year and then you have friends that you talk to on a weekly basis because yep. you're both putting the effort in. So I look at business the
0: same way and you know my go-to people are the ones that make an effort to stay in the circle. I like that 20%, I, I have to think of that myself because I, I, you do, and you know what, one thing that COVID has done, I think it's had me reevaluate relationships whether yeah. they're friendship relationships work relationships networking relationships I mm-hmm. it has given me time to really think about and I think that I've kind of cut back on on all of that so that that's really helpful yeah well you,
1: you realize like okay well who and and I've, re- I've had to realize it over time because I'm like oh I want to keep everybody but I'm like not everybody's at the same level some people will move up you know yeah. on that pyramid yeah. um you know some people will come back they'll circle back but I, I just don't want to, you know, go out of my way for the people who aren't, I'm not saying they have to go another way for me too, but yeah. I'm like, I know I make connections way more than I expect to receive them. And I get a lot back, mm-hmm. but it's taken a while to get there. I mean, there was times where I was actually tracking like how many I was getting versus how many were going out. And it was like a one to three, oh, wow.
0: <laughs> like for every one I got three went out. Yeah, Even I can more. see that more. I mean, In some pieces. That kind, of, that kind of is like when you have a party and you send out invitations. How many people actually RSVP? You yeah. know, like it drives you nuts. Like, why can't they just RSVP so you know how much food to get? <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it's just a simple thing. Um, okay, so at, at the end of my interview, I always ask people to give three pieces of advice. What advice would you give to someone who just hates networking? <laughs> what 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 will help them look at it differently? turn things around. Because really, to be successful, no matter who you are and what you're doing out there at this moment, whether you're a student, whether you've been out in the workforce for a while, um, networking really can change the way you interact with people, your community, and how successful you are. So for those people Mm -hmm. that just dread it, what kind of advice could you give them?
1: I would say you've been in the wrong place. You've been around the wrong people. I would say that's part of it i would also look at you know how do you actually really feel when you go so like you say you hate it but why do you hate it because there's anxiety do you hate it because you don't like meeting people like it's awkward for you um do you consider yourself more of an introvert and i would say well you should really try to go to places that maybe are more introvert friendly. So I have specifically built stuff like that because I know that not everybody is an extrovert. I'm actually not an extrovert. (laughs) I'm more in the middle depending on the situation. Like I I know I'm presenting, I have to prepare myself Mm. to get to that point. Mm -hmm. I don't do well at events and I don't know anybody because I'm the person that's in the corner. It's very hard for me to go up to people. So that would, that would be what I would say. You need to evaluate like how you really feel and you gotta test it out. You know, you have to try different events and you can't give up. Networking is like I said, it is not, you can't go to the gym and do a hundred crunches and be like, I oh, yeah, abs forever. It doesn't work that way. You have to consistently do it. I don't care if you change companies every couple months. Like people need to know if you want to do business and you want to be successful, you have to get out there. So do what maybe do it a different way. Like instead of going to a networking-based professional event, if that freaks you out, do community stuff. Volunteer. Oh. Like that is still networking. So, you know, do things that you're passionate about. Like I actually play volleyball. I play beach volleyball on Mondays um, at a restaurant in, uh, in Malta. I'm, I'm actually a vice president of a mom's club in <laughs> Clifton park. And so like, that's, those are actually other ways to network. Yeah. So if you have other things that you're passionate about, well, how can you get involved? Is there an association? Is there a club? And there's stuff that you can do that costs zero dollars. So you can, you can do it for minimal amounts of money and that might, you know, just that practice alone will help you. And then if you get ready where you can do a professional type event, consider the event, you know, are they, are they doing games? Is it just standing around? Is it at a restaurant? Is is it at a bar? Um, You know, who's going to be there? Can you see the list? go with somebody like go with a friend because yeah. then you're more apt to be a little bit more confident because you're not 100% by
0: yourself. Yes, I, I, t- I totally agree with all, all of that. I, I too, I am I feel like I'm an introvert. I don't really like going to like a dinner where I have to just sit down and kind of be stuck. But, but if I can bring somebody or if I know that somebody else is going to go there, it just, it does help. And also I tell my students, Every time you go to one, it gets a little bit easier, a little bit easier. So the more you do it, the the more you you find, you know, your your niche, you find things that work and you just keep reusing those things. So, well, thank you so much, Christine. I really do appreciate all this time because there's just so many things that we could have talked about. We could have talked about volleyball. I used to play volleyball too. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, so uh, Next one. Next one. <laughs> you've got just so many things going on. So, thank you so much for for talking about this. And if anybody would like to reach out to you, what is the best way for them to connect? <laughs> Um, I would say LinkedIn.
1: So I really like when people send me a note about why they're connecting to me. It's actually part of my parameters for connecting with me on LinkedIn. But if they actually heard this podcast and say, hey, you know, I I heard XYZ podcast. I'm interested in having a conversation. I'm more apt to connect for sure, 100%. Or if they just have additional questions, they can just put that within the notes. That's the best way. And you know, my email is actually readily available on LinkedIn too. So if they want to just directly connect and they can also reach me through our rippleeffects.us website too.
0: Okay, all right. Well, thank you everyone for listening to Sharp HR Career Corner. If you're looking to make a change in your job, but you aren't sure where to start, contact Sharp Human Resources. We'd love to help you out. We can make the process a smooth transition for you. Go to sharphumanresources-buffalo.com for more information. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, I encourage you to download the podcast, leave a comment, and share with others that you know. The more downloads, comments, and likes that we receive, the better our ratings and the easier we can be found. So thank you in advance. Until next time, be kind, everyone. We need to show a lot more kindness in the world, and it starts with you and I. Thanks again for listening, and have a great day.